Are you taking a reactive or proactive approach to your taxes? Do you wait until the year is over and hope for the best when tax time comes around? Is your business taking accurate tax deductions and receiving all the tax credits you deserve? Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Today, we will answer these questions and many more. So sharpen your pencil and take some notes. Now, here is your host, Marcelino Dodge. I extend a nice welcome to all to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. It is such a beautiful day to be able to talk to you because we have such a wonderful worldwide audience listening on show number 49. Never thought the ride would get this long, but hey, I thank you all as my listeners, whether you're throughout the US, South America, Europe, China, whatever the case may be, you are just really appreciated listening on whatever platform that you are, be it iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or one of the other other sources where you can pick up podcasts. Again, thank you for listening. And as well as I appreciate those who listen to the live broadcast going through my Cash Tracks Financial Facebook page. And if you're listening to this live or if you are going to view it perhaps later, I invite you to please share and like it and comment. Let me know what you think. I'd really uh, like to know what perhaps topics you may want to know about as well as uh, it will be posted later as well to our YouTube page. So please subscribe and we've got a lot of good tax information on the YouTube page as well. And keep in mind that as I talk to you today or one of the other subjects we visited, whether it be about a new business you're considering or maybe dependents or whatever the case may be, tax related, if you're thinking about buying a business, selling your business, we've covered many of these topics on this program. You need to really get a hold of me and have a free mutual exploration session to see if what we can offer is Cash Tracks Financial, my tax planning, year-round services, see if all of these or any of these will work for you. Because after all, in this tax climate we're in, with taxes potentially going up in 2022, it's going to be vital for you to learn and to pay as little tax as possible. So yes, you're welcome to give me a contact. That's success at cashtracksfinancial.com or give me a call. It's 844-394-4287 or visit us at cashtracksfinancial.com, which is soon going to have a complete facelift to our website. We're very excited about that. And so do any of these ways to contact me to get your free mutual exploration session, because there's a lot of tax topics that you just perhaps haven't been properly explained to you that you need more information. Just go through our list. Take a look at what we've discussed in the past. There's so much great information that we've provided and even email me if you have a suggestion of something that maybe you'd like to know more about. Today, we're talking about basis. Well, basis? What's basis with taxes? What? Why do I even need to know this? Why is it so important? Well, when it comes to basis and taxes, let me tell you that as a tax professional, I go to classes that just talk about one part of basis. And I do this uh, each year, these education classes, I go to wonderful people who teach these classes. And whether you're on the individual side or you got a business, corporation, LLC, whatever the case, 
basis plays a huge role in it. Now, in this program today, I'm going to give a very broad view of basis for you as the individual taxpayer, because there is a lot more factors that go into this that I have to look at as a tax professional, which is whenever you're dealing with these things, which is why I feel and know it is just so important for you listening here as a potential client and as a tax payer to really know that, you know, I should get some help with this on this basis matter, because trying to do it on my own can really be a challenge. And it is, I've had to fix so many tax returns based on just basis alone, that it's so vital that you get this information here because yes, how much tax do you pay at the both personal and business levels? And once again, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, because the potential tax law changes are coming, knowing these basis rules and speaking to a tax professional about them is going to be absolutely necessary for you to be paying as little tax as possible as part of your planning ahead strategy. Don't be talking after the fact. Talk now with a tax professional if you're even considering any of these things, which is why we offer our uh, monthly programs so that you have access to us on a year-round basis to be able to get these questions answered and have either a personal visit or a video conference visit with me to discuss these matters because in calculating it correctly, it affects potential tax ramifications for you. And so once again, recommending having a tax professional. And I often get this in these questions about basis. One of them, of course, comes in when someone inherits a property or inherits money, uh, they have a basis in new property that they receive, or if they received stocks as inheritance, they have a basis that they establish in that. And oftentimes it's asked, well, do I pay tax on it when I receive it? Well, the answer to that question is no, you don't pay taxes when you receive it, but you do need to know basis on it, which is what has to be clearly established when you get it. So we're going to take a look at this in two facets as I look at this today. One is going to be on a personal tax basis, why do I need to know basis personally? And then I'm going to take a look at it, why it's important on a business level. If you have like a LLC, a corporation of some sort, a partnership, there's reasons that this comes in and basis is so, so important for you. Well, on a personal tax basis, one of the areas that I really wanted to touch on with this, because it is just so important for those who have perhaps sold real estate, or maybe you've purchased real estate, especially in last year, if you have sold real estate, uh, the prices have been just out there, have been really high. I know where I live, real estate has gone just beyond what I ever thought it would be in my little corner of Colorado. But still, these are considerations, whether you've been selling your personal residence, or maybe you've been selling a rental home, or all these items in there, these are just things you need to keep in mind and know because you're going to get a little form called a 1099S. Uh, usually these come from the title company and I work with some title companies who do issue these out. And sometimes you get them when you close on the property because it shows the closing date, the proceeds on it that you received. Uh, now keep in mind the proceeds... <laughs> That's on the 1099S do not always match what you actually got in the check. That's because the 1099S will show the amount basically that the property was sold for. And some people get a little bit upset about this because when they see this 1099, says, I didn't get that much for it. Well, no, but that's what it's sold for. And that's what has to be used for tax purposes. Now, 
it's so important that when you do sell a property, that you make sure, and I know I asked for these, I asked the question, did you buy or sell any real estate? And if I answer that question, yes, I always say, can you please bring me the closing documents from that sale? And then if I don't already have them on file, especially if it's a newer client, I'll say, can you bring me the closing documents when you purchased the property as well? Those are just as important and probably even more important than the selling documents because there's going to be a lot of items on that purchase when you purchase the property that you can use to guess what? Calculate basis. And then, of course, the next step is what records do you have improvements that you've made on property? What records do you have that you've made improvements on this property, especially permanent improvements? Uh, Many people perhaps have a rental home or even on your personal home, you may have spent tens of thousands of dollars improving it, upgrading appliances, upgrading cabinets, upgrading bathrooms, kitchens, various parts of the home, electrical. These records are important in calculating basis because these are basically permanent uh, upgrades. And so all of these are important in calculating this basis. And the reason I keep talking about this is because, and its value is that, Say you purchased a home for $200,000 and say you spent another $50,000 or $100,000 in renovating, updating the home. Well, then you got $300,000 in the home. But then if the home goes and sells for a million dollars, you have a potential $700,000 gain on that home. So that's why it's important to make sure you have these documents to have your basis established. Now, The great part about it, the fact of the home, is that if that home was your primary residence for at least two out of the last five years, you may qualify for the uh, home for the home exclusion, which is basically two hundred and fifty thousand dollars as an individual and five hundred thousand dollars for married filing joint returns. And if you have individuals who happen to get divorced, which I actually encountered in one of these cases, each of them can end up with a 1099S for their portion of it, while each of them individually can take the $250,000 exclusion, which is actually a return I had to come back and correct uh, for someone who missed their 1099S. So yes, on the real estate, especially your primary home, this basis is going to be very important to make sure uh, how much of the exclusion you qualify for, which hope, which for many people, they, they may get all of the capital gain excluded because of the home. But yet, if you make $500,000 on a home and you're uh, married, hey, basically you get, get it tax-free. So it's, it's really wonderful. But knowing that basis is going to be able to help you to be able to make that determination. And so you got to really make sure you got those records. Or if you've sold the home already this year and you moved, you know what? You better get those records together for your tax professional because they should be asking for them of somehow of uh, exactly what you did so that you can make sure you get the proper exclusion and not pay any more tax than you need to. Now, another area where basis comes in is is with the purchase of stocks. Now, with stocks, especially if you've been buying them like in the last 10 years, 
The basis is pretty easy, especially long-term, because in many cases, the uh, companies are keeping track of that basis, and they're actually reporting the basis uh, on the 1099 forms that you receive with the sale of stock. And if you've just been holding stock for a long, long time, you know, especially if you bought something before 2010 uh, and you've been holding it for a long time, and some people have bought stocks and hold them for 10, 20, maybe 30 years, you better be making sure you have good records of what your basis is. Because when you go to sell those, uh, there's a lot of areas that come into play with that. Maybe there's been stock splits uh, and other transactions that have happened. So you, once again, so you can accurately calculate the potential capital gain that you would have on that stock. So usually that happens at the sales. So the holding periods, of course, uh, whether it's short-term, which is basically less than uh, 365 days or, or long-term, which is more than 365 days, that determines where it falls in tax. But what's really, like say, what's really great on that basis is that the purchase is usually recorded now by the company that's doing your investments for you. And then they also report that basis to the IRS. Now it can get a little tricky when you're dealing with like inherited stock. Uh, there's other rules that come into play which actually works into uh, fair market value at the date of death. So that can actually work out good. So you get what they call the stepped up basis. I did mention gifts a little bit earlier. Now, if someone gifts you something, this could be a home, it could be a stock, they just give it to you. Wow, there's two rules that come into play here as far as determining basis. And that can be either the lesser of the donor's basis in the property or the fair market value when the donor gave that to you. Now, it's important to have both of these amounts. And the reason that is because you sell the home at a future date, determining loss or gain, one of these values will will apply and the other one may not apply. So it's good to know all of this information if you are gifted something like a home. And as I mentioned, inheritance, like if you inherit a house, which is what's really good when you inherit a house is that say if your parents had bought the house a few few years ago for 25,000 but yet now when they come to sell it it's worth or they pass away and you inherit the home and say the home is now worth 250,000 well you under current rules and laws you actually get the fair market value at the time of the death so you'd get a $250,000 value. Now, particularly in those cases, if you inherit real estate, I often recommend getting an appraisal at that time. That way, should you decide to sell that home on a later date, it's really good record keeping for you with the IRS. That way you have, okay, here's the documented evidence of what this home was worth at the time of death. That way to reduce tax liability. That's, that'd be a great way to have that have your basis covered and have a basis clearly established at time of death. Otherwise, you could be actually depriving yourself of some uh, basis numbers because some people will fall back, and I've actually had to do this on a few cases, fall back on using like uh, the taxes value. With the property taxes, you go to the county courthouse, uh, you look up, okay, on this 
at this time, how much was the property valued for tax purposes? Now that that's something you can use. And I've had to use at times with some clients, but it's not the best. The best would be some type of market value analysis, uh, some type of third party documentation, such as an appraisal. That way you can get the highest basis in the property for your benefit. So that once again, it reduces any tax liability at a later date. And this could be handy as well, especially when you're dealing with farmland and say one of the spouses, you have two spouses, you have spouses, one of them dies and the other and the property like transfers into a trust. It would be good to get an appraisal of what it would, what that value is going into the trust once again, so that property is sold at a later date. Once again, you have that higher basis from the market value analysis or the appraisal on record to use so that, once again, minimize any potential tax liability and capital gains taxes from the uh, sale of the property at a later date. So just a good point to keep in mind. But once again, don't try to do this on your own. Always consult with a tax professional. Divorce, sometimes certain property transfers on divorce cases. Now, these are very important because the basis from the basis is transfers from one spouse to another. It's actually pretty simple. So just keep that in mind. Now, sole proprietors. Now, how does basis come into play for sole proprietors? Well, this really happens because another area of where basis comes in has to do with depreciating property. I did a, a previous uh, a podcast talking about depreciation, and that's just an animal by itself. But let's take on basis, you got to have basis on what you're going to depreciate on uh, assets in a business, which is usually like a building or some type of equipment that you're using in the business. So keep that in mind that these amounts that you purchase it, be it five, ten thousand dollars more, hundred thousand dollars, like for farm tractors, if you're a farmer, these kind of things, uh, these amounts are used to determine depreciation, which is of course the cost, sales tax, freight, installation, testing fees. Uh, may have to use before you put the uh, equipment into service. Now, the key thing is when it comes to determining this basis is you can have the basis, you may have the basis established for depreciation purposes, but if you don't have the property available for use, then you are not going to be able to depreciate is what it comes down to. Now, also, when it comes to establishing basis, uh, for example, if you bought a commercial building uh, that you're going to conduct your business out of, the closing statements for that real estate, once again, are very important for uh, myself as a tax professional to have because there's information on that settlement statement oftentimes that can add to the basis of the building. Now, when we're talking about real estate buildings and so on, there has to be a separation in basis between the building and the land because we can't depreciate land. So you could buy a $500,000 property uh, and then allocate, we have to allocate the land out. So the building itself may be 450,000 of that 500,000 and the land may be only 50,000, which you're not gonna depreciate the 50,000, but the 450,000 you're gonna depreciate over uh, the 39 year period basis wise. Now there's another area that comes into here you're talking about depreciation and basis is that there's, it's called adjusted basis, which many times people 
are like a little shocked or surprised when they go and sell an asset in the business. Well, because when you depreciate, uh, say, a $50,000 piece of equipment and say you depreciate it, it's a five-year property, so you depreciate it over five years. Well, say you say you take like 10,000 a year on this equipment, you depreciate it down. So you take 10,000 in year one, 10,000 in year two. Now, what many people miss though, is that as you depreciate an item, its basis actually is no longer 50,000. In this case, its basis is like 40,000 after year one, uh, 30,000 after year two. But then say after two years, you go and you sell that item, uh, you could have a gain on that item because your basis, especially if you sell it for, instead of, say you bought it for 50 and then you took a $20,000 in depreciation, what can end up happening and say you're for some, you get a really good deal and you're able to sell it for 50,000 again. Well, since you've depreciated 20,000 off, you're going to end up actually having an abate. When you sell it, you're going to have a bait. You're going to be selling it. At 50, you're going to have actually considered a $20,000 like profit or um, recovery of depreciation on that when you go and sell the item. Anyway, it's a, it's a lot to take in over a broadcast like this, but the, which is why you need to discuss these items with a tax professional and really get it written down because it can get very confusing. And I agree with that. I'm trying to keep it as plain and simple as possible. Yet it's very important that whenever you're considering buying and selling items in your business, that you have a tax professional like myself available to talk to about these things just so you could be prepared for the potential tax consequences because of the adjusted basis of the equipment. That's just like, say, that's the basic broad overview for individuals and taxes. Now, when it comes to basis for business entities, it has a whole nother meaning. I talked about the equipment part there for like a Schedule C sole proprietor or even for your Schedule F farmers. Those fit in there. And that a lot of that information is pretty much the same from entity to uh, individual. But there's another area where basis plays a part when it comes to business entities. And first of all, I'm going to touch on here is S corporations and entities that choose to be taxed as an S corporation. For example, a lot of LLCs that I work with, a multi-person LLCs also are taxed as S corporations. And thus the individuals have basis in the corporation and they have basis in there. But exactly why is basis in relation to the S corp so important? Well, if you're an individual taxpayer that has shares In an S corporation, please know that you as the shareholder should be tracking what your basis is in that S corporation. Now, many shareholders are, this may be news to them. They may not even realize it. Well, it probably is news to you because maybe your tax professional has been doing it for you all along. I know in my case, I'm doing that for many of the shareholders that I have in S corporations just so they can... Uh, relax about it. We know that we have it and go back and calculate it. And it's so important to know this because this year for 2021, there's actually a new form with regards to S corporation basis. It's a form 7203 that has to be added to the personal return to be calculating uh, the basis for S corporation owners or shareholders. 
And why is this important? Well, your basis in an S-corporation determines your gain or loss when you sell S-corporation stock for one thing. Now, not very often do people sell their S-corporation stock, but this basis is important to know and understand and have calculated that way. If for some reason you do, you know exactly how much profit you have on that stock or, or maybe a loss on that stock. Now, the most common area where why this basis is so important is many S corporation owners, what they do through the years that they take their reasonable salary, which is what S corporation shareholders should be doing is taking a reasonable salary and then take, they can take distributions of profit. Now, as you take the distributions of profit, that also reduces your basis in the S corporation. Now, if you're not careful there, if your S corporation has a loss in some year, you may not be able to deduct that loss. And your thing may be thinking, what? I, can't, I have a loss in my business, but I can't deduct it. Well, it really depends on what your basis is in your S corporation stock. Because if you have, for example, a $10,000 basis in your S corporation, And that could exist simply because you've been taking distributions of profit each year, and those distributions reduce your basis. Uh, You've had many profitable years, but you take it out, your basis is reduced. So then you have a $10,000 basis in the S corporation. Now, say the corporation for that year has like a $15,000 loss. Well, wait a minute, you only got $10,000 basis. And because of the way the rules are written, you can never have a basis below zero. So then what happens is that you can deduct 10000 of that $15,000 loss because your basis is only ten. Then you got 5000 that you'll just kind of float out there and that'll kind of just carry on into the next year to perhaps offset uh, profit that you have for the next year. As well as what we keep in mind is that Basis in the S-Corp is determined at the end of each year. So then you're asking, what is shareholder basis or what contributes to shareholder basis? I've touched on a few of the items, but to get very specific for you here, we're going to mention how shareholder basis in an S-Corporation is the initial amount invested, plus perhaps additional contributions that you make. So maybe you make an initial contribution of 50000 but then at a later date, you may contribute another 25,000. So now you have a $75,000 basis in the S corporation and then profits left in the business. So you say your share of S corporation profit for one year is another 25,000. So you put in 50, then you added in 25 and then your share is another 25. So now you have a hundred thousand dollar basis in the S corporation because you of what you contributed as well as profits that you left in, you didn't take distributions of. Could also include uh, the cost of assets that you contributed. So if you became a part of an S shareholder in S corporation and contributed an asset worth $50,000, well, your basis, your cost in that asset would be your basis in, in the business. So that asset costs you 50,000. So you contribute that to the business. So now you got a $50,000 basis. Now, what does reduce, there's a lot of other items that reduce it, and there's a lot of other items that actually contribute to or add to your basis, 
didn't touch on all of them, just kind of hit the main ones here. But what can reduce your basis is withdrawals of profit, and then, of course, losses. But losses can sometimes be suspended if it, uh, if you don't have enough basis for those losses. So just kind of think about this in regards to shareholders' uh, basis in an S-corporation these are just, like I say, these are kind of the highlights of it, kind of to give you some general information so that uh, you can think about it, uh, maybe research a little more. But as I mentioned, if you're dealing with S corporation, anything to do with that, I highly recommend you talk to a tax professional and we're always available to help you to be able to do that. And of course, calling me 844-394-4287 to discuss about these areas and Many times, S-corporations have one or two shareholders, and some that I work with personally have only one shareholder, and many times, they're just uh, taking out profits, running their business as a corporation for liability benefits, well, liability protections, I should say, then, of course, some benefits that you can get as a corporation, particular an S-corporation that you can't receive as a sole proprietor. And then others, uh, a lot of times, I have couples that will work together in an S corporation and LLC taxed as an S corporation, because once again, it just really helps them, but yet we can do a good job maintaining their basis and watching their, their basis uh, through the years for them. Cause distributions of profits, once again, do reduce your basis. And when we talk about basis in partnerships, boy, that's, that's a whole nother animal because once again, when it comes to partnerships, your tax basis is kept, is kept by you, the partner. And in simple terms, it's the cash you contribute or assets you contribute, give to your basis in the partnership. Now, some debt that the partnership takes on can also increase your basis. Now, here's some little bit more details for partnerships, what can increase your basis for tax purposes in the partnership. That can be your profit, your exempt income, additional contributions, perhaps gain on a contribution. Maybe somebody something goes up in value. Maybe if there's debt that you're personally responsible for, that can also increase your basis. And debt you may not be responsible for, here's, here's a sideline, this type of debt may also increase your basis, just depends on circumstances and facts. Items that will drop your basis or decrease your basis in a partnership. Well, if you take a draw from the partnership, that could decrease your basis. Uh, debt reduces uh, as the debt goes down, your uh, basis also goes down. Or if you get an asset distributed to you from the partnership, that can also reduce your basis. Then, of course, we get business losses can also cause your basis and uh, loss of basis in a partnership. And then, of course, non-deductible expenses. And you have the same thing with partnerships that you do with S-Corps is that the determination is at the end of the partnership's year. And your deduction is only allowed, once again, up to the basis. So if you don't have the basis in the partnership, so once again, as I gave you the example earlier for an S corporation, if you only have a $10,000 basis, but you have a $15,000 loss, you can only deduct $10,000 of that loss. That extra $5,000 will be like excess loss that you'll carry over into the next year and potentially offset uh, a profit in the next year. So that just kind of gives a good idea of uh, keeping in mind why it's so important to be able to think about this basis idea. Now, some other thoughts here in particular when it comes to basis 
on partners and partnerships is that if a partner either sells or dies their interest, there's some various elections that partnerships can make that uh, in regards to basis there. And I've done some of these on occasion uh, just to help like heirs to help them in, in relation, especially to any like capital gains that could possibly exist. So then once again, it comes down to don't try to be doing this type of uh, electing on your partnership tax returns as well, because you really need a tax professional to really be able to keep these going and to be able to set these up correctly because down the road when they're sales, uh, you want to, of course, have as little tax as possible on those sales. This is, once again, a very broad view of uh, basis, just enough to give you some information to really realize that how important basis is, whether you're on an individual level or whether you're on a business level. It is just so important there. Now, an area I didn't touch on too much earlier that also hits on the tax return has to do with basis on rental properties. Some people will be having filing a Schedule E, doing rental properties, and you have a lot a lot of the similar rules with regards to rental properties when it comes to establishing the basis. Some of that that comes in there on rental properties, like once again, is if you have bought the property and you're going to use it as a rental, uh, I definitely need you to bring the uh, the closing document uh, that you did when you close it. That way I can clearly establish what the basis is on that property for you to be able to do proper depreciation on that property because you got to once again, separate the home from the land because you can't depreciate land and have a basis in the land. And then also you have a basis in the home itself and to calculate all that properly need the closing documents. And oftentimes even the uh, tax uh, property tax documents to be able to do that. Now, as I mentioned earlier, when it comes to basis and depreciation, when you're selling a property, like you're selling a rental home, for example, another thought there is, once again, you're going to have what I mentioned earlier with equipment is that you're also going to have adjusted basis in there. So as you depreciate the property over 27 and a half years, which is what uh, rental properties have, you're going to have the time or you're going to have what's happening as your depreciation goes up, your basis in the property will decrease And thus, you're going to have a recovery of depreciation at the time you sell the property. Now, the good part about when you do sell real property, your basis, your adjusted basis may be down, but but it usually falls into a capital gain, which is really nice because uh, oftentimes, depending where you are tax-wise, many people that I work with don't pay more than 15% capital gains tax on it. So it's very... uh, very worthwhile to think about that in regards to rental property. Now, as I consider here and I look at all these bases, like I said, I've given a very broad basis on basis here, a very broad view just to kind of help to educate you a little bit and help you to see the importance of why planning ahead. When you're going to make any moves, you really need to be talking to a tax professional. And many times I find these items out after the fact and by then it's, it's too late. And so, especially now, as I really urge you, we're getting close to the end of the year. Uh, Taxes uh, could be going up as we go into 2022. Uh, We really need to be consulting with a tax professional 
to be paying as little income tax as possible, everything within the law. We want to minimize your tax liability. And so as we review and encourage you to review and plan, uh, not just for the current year, but we got to plan in the next year as well through some very worthwhile sessions. And so as we uh, personally, I like to take a year round approach when it comes to taxes because too often, as I mentioned, what's happened with, and which is why I talked about basis so much today is that trying to figure this basis out after the fact, when you have already sold the property and it's six months down the road and then we're in March or April of the tax filing season and I'm sitting here with you trying to say, okay, you bought this, you sold this property or you sold this asset and now we have this huge potential capital gain on this. How can we reduce that gain? Well, we got to be able to establish basis and having the right basis on that property, once again, will help you to minimize any potential tax liability. So if you've sold property in 2021 or you're contemplating selling property in 2021, it's going to be absolutely, absolutely essential that you speak to your tax professional. Set up a free mutual exploration session with me so that we can get this looked at for you and help you to determine that basis. Because a year-round approach, looking at it now, will only help you to pay less in taxes. And part of our process as well helps you to establish goals. Yes, goal setting is so important when it comes to your finances. Where are we going to be? Where do we want to be six months from now? Where do we want to be a year from now? And if you have a W-2 job, where's my withholding? Do I need to adjust my withholding? Am I self-employed? Uh, do I need to make estimated tax payments? I have meetings are uh, scheduled here in December with clients who want to make sure they're making the right estimated tax payments because they're uh, having some really good years. We really want to help you to make those adjustments there. So yes, tax planning is going to be absolutely essential as we move forward and continue to move forward in this uh, pandemic that we're in right now, and which is why we do so much by video conference for you to be able to help you to do this, to be able to have the help that you need, which is the whole reason why I like doing this information, sharing this podcast with you, because I really like just like talking to you and providing you as a taxpayer the information you need to be able to make informed decisions about your taxes. So yes, basis is vitally important to calculate whatever taxes you may owe correctly and to be able to uh, pay as little tax as possible. You own a home and you sold your home, make sure you're looking for that 1099S. I would suggest even ask the title company for it if you don't see one. And some may not issue it if it's below like the $250,000 or $500,000 threshold by chance on the sale of your home. It just varies, but it doesn't hurt to ask. So you're going to issue me a 1099S. And in fact, what I would recommend and what I'd even prefer is that I would make a record of it Go ahead and get a copy to your tax professional now. Have them put it in your file. Take those closing documents from the sale of your property. Take those to your tax professional. Have them put it in your file. That way it is there. It is ready to go at tax time for you. And you're not going to be looking for those documents. Also, when you purchase the property, 
get those closing documents there, whatever documents you have available, get those copies to your tax professional if they don't already have them. Because it's vitally important to help you once again, make sure you take advantage of full exclusions available there. Or if you inherited property during the year, get that market value evaluation done or get an appraisal done to get that clearly established. And then once again, have that information to your tax professional so that should you look at selling that property at a later date, uh, then you then you can uh, have that set aside. Although it's not as much of a challenge if you sell the property like within a few months of inheriting the property, it's not as much of an issue because you have a good established value already. But if you're planning on holding on to the property for a few years, it would be advisable to get that evaluation done, especially if you're looking at a year or two down the road to be selling it because it could make a huge difference in, once again, any potential tax liability, especially if the property is not your primary residence. That's why it's so important. Because I had some clients come in and visit with me about a property that they inherited this year and was sold. And I, I really helped them to hopefully get the, uh, let's get some good values going so that they can once again pay as little tax as possible on that. All part of the tax planning process there, which is why um, I encourage ones to give me a call for a free mutual exploration session. It's 844-394-4287. The email is success at cashtracksfinancial.com because the process we use is when we help you to set up your goals, whether it be personal goals, business goals, let's set up some financial goals together. And as our whole process works, we go through your tax, we help your accounting work and all of this is very conveniently done in the cloud. So uh, no matter where you live in all 50 states, we can definitely help you. And I can, as an enrolled agent, that's one of the great parts about being an enrolled agent is the fact that no matter what state you live in, I can offer you assistance. I can offer you tax planning. I can offer you tax help to be able to help you to pay as little tax as possible because we want you to get the most out of both your business and out of your financial life. As we build steps, we identify threats. And in some cases, even help you to realize, you know, maybe I need a little bit of life insurance here, or maybe some healthcare benefits, or maybe I can set aside some information or get some funds, start setting aside for a retirement plan, which is, especially this time of year, it's something to think about is depending on your situation, depending on your business, uh, can you contribute to uh, an IRA, just a regular traditional IRA to get some tax benefits there? You and your spouse, even your non-working spouse, you can contribute to a tax deductible IRA based on the working spouse's uh, income. Great, great tax provision. Also think about how if you're a business owner and you work on your own, you've had a good year because I know a lot of people have had a very rough year which I'm really, I'm really sorry to hear, hear that. And I, I feel for you. Others, though, have had really successful and really big years. But what can you do? Well, one of the items is we taught we can do a, a SAP IRA or a Simplified Employee Pension. Contribute up to 25% into, uh, into the SEP or, um, or a maximum amount, actually, into the SEP IRA of 58 thousand. So that's certainly an option too that you can do as well as uh, you can even set up a 401k uh, and even contribute to it for this year. And 
It just really depends on the provider, but yet you can still set it up and contribute to it for 2021. Once again, and even that amount uh, is up to 58,000. And if you're a sole uh, proprietor or like a single uh, shareholder and S corporation and the only employee, you can contribute to these up to the due date of the tax return plus extensions. So with the proper planning, these are just little items, tidbits that we can work in there, help you to do it. We can help you find someone to set up these plans in whatever state uh, that you're in. I have uh, many contacts that I can help to work with reliable people that will be able to help you to solve these issues. So yes, we want to help you to be able to pay as little tax as possible. Uh, Year-round service, proactive solutions. That's one thing any tax professional will really try to do for you. A tax preparer just looks at your paperwork, puts it into the computer, and moves on and just, here, here's what it says, I'm done. That's what a tax preparer does. A tax professional like myself will take a look at your information and go, have you considered perhaps an IRA or in your business? Do you have deductions for this? Uh, here is a nice tax organizer to help you get organized, which is what I want everybody to be able to do. So I have these information available for you to help for you to get organized. That way you can pay as little tax as possible. We got the cloud-based accounting software that we can use to help you through the year and help to guide you and nudge you with our services. So yes, please feel free to contact Cash Tracks Financial anytime, uh, 844-394-4287. Visit us, it's cashtracksfinancial.com or even contact at success at cashtracksfinancial.com. We are so appreciative that uh, you've taken the time to listen to this important information that I shared again about basis because I really take pride in the fact that you as a taxpayer need information. You need to know certain information so that you can make good decisions, as well as you need good information to know what you can deduct. What, like on basis, why is this basis so important? That's why I talked about this today, because it is just absolutely vitally important for you to know in a broad sense what it's about, because software can only do so much. The human touch is absolutely essential to be able to really understand and really get the most benefit out of all of this. So I am so thankful again for your listening to this podcast. It's truly, you are a valuable asset, and I hope to hear from you all soon. Once again, give me a call. It's 844-394-4287 or visit cashtracksfinancial.com soon to be completely revitalized, getting so excited about a website coming, or of course, then email us to schedule your free mutual exploration session, success at cashtracksfinancial.com. I am so thankful again for this wonderful privilege of having you listen to this broadcast, and I'll look forward to speaking to you again. And thank you from the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge on the Voice America business channel. Thank you for listening to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. We'll be back again next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share next week.